The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life Tips. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips show. I'm here with Brian Rich. Brian, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Brian, we are going to take on a great topic today that you and I have mulled on a little bit and you particularly have put some thought into. As we approach the new year, we're going to try to take on a topic related to really aligning uh, your, your, your organization's goals with your personal goals to really make the world a better place. And that is a fascinating discussion. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to start thinking about, you know, uh, you know, uh, the realignment of an organization as part of a New Year's uh, resolution, which is a fascinating subject. Sure. Well, you know, I, th- I think we all at this time of year start to think about uh, the New Year renewal resolutions. And uh, more and more, I think we are uh, recognizing or, or certainly should be recognizing the role that we play as individuals in, uh, in different communities, in different organizations, uh, in, in the work to address uh, serious issues and, and causes that are uh, related to how our society functions. And, you know, it, we've talked before, but I, I wrote a book called Shift and Reset about how, uh, you know, we need to rethink the way we address serious issues. And a big part of that is looking at the individual responsibility and the collective opportunity that we have in, in today's fast-moving, digitally-enabled, uh, connected society to, to really make an impact. So as I start to think about my New Year's resolutions, as I know, you know, others start to wrap up the year and, and kind of get ready to kickstart uh, 2012, um, you know, it just seemed absolutely natural to me that we should be looking at the, the individual roles we play and, you know, the opportunity that, that we have as a part of an organization, whether that's a, a nonprofit or a company or, a, you know, a neighborhood, a community, to, uh, to do things differently and, and finally get some, some real progress accomplished on some of this important stuff. And, and the concept is really interesting alone to imagine that a company is a living organi- organization and, uh, that, that it has moving parts and, and has things that it has to do and things it has to partner with to get better. Um, you know, that, that alone is an interesting notion. And can you talk about that a little bit and how, you know, d- does a company actually have a, a lifeline to it, a nerve center? And, 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 and what is it? Is it the people or is it the, 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 the connecting points of other companies that, that make it tick, that make it run? Yeah, it, it, you know, it's a great question. And I think it's, it's actually both. Um, you know, companies and organizations are made up of individuals and the, the personality and the effort that we all put in and the, 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 the energy and the experience that we bring from the rest of our lives to the office every day or, or to our work uh, helps to shape how 
you know, that organization runs and how it thinks and what it's able to accomplish. But at the same time, you know, each organization is part of this larger ecosystem, part of this society, and they all play a role. And, you know, there are a lot of things that, that organizations have control over, and there are other things that, uh, you know, they have influence over if they, if they don't have control of how things operate. So these are living, breathing organisms. And so not only do we have to think about our individual actions as humans and what it is we want to change or improve about our lives, we have to think about the, the roles and the actions that uh, these companies, these organizations play in that larger ecosystem, in that larger community in which they are a part, and of course how those two relate because you know, there are some complex problems out there that need to be solved. There are some uh, big opportunities to be realized, and no one organization or no one individual is necessarily going to be able to do all of that on their own. Uh, so, you know, let's start to look at how to put the pieces together. Let's start to look at, uh, you know, how to start ticking things off the list in a way that we know we can sustain and that we know we can drive the kind of impact we want. That, that should be our mentality going forward. So is it, is it the case that we need to first sort of diagnose who we are as an organization um, and then decide we want to make some changes? And I want to give some examples of that so you can expand upon it. So... Do we want to diagnose, you know, how we treat each other, you know, whether we train and develop our employees, whether we're involved in a nonprofit, you know, organization as a company and make some donations or of time or things, you know, who we partner with, who our customers are now today, um, who, who how, what our participation is in the ecosystem, you know, are we a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond, you know, and do we say, okay, here's who we are, and then here's who we, here's who we want to be next year. Is, is, that the, is that the right attitude to do all of this before we dive into some of your steps? Well, yeah, you know, I think uh, my suggestion would be that we need to focus on finding solutions. Um, mm. there, there are absolutely problems and challenges out there that, uh, that all of these organizations are committed to solving. Um, in some cases, it's what they're in business to do. In some cases, it's what they care about. But, you know, we have to be very careful not to get mired in uh, just just the details, just the operational approach to different things. Um, we need to we need to set some big goals. We need to, you know, be ambitious. And we need to say, look, in 2012, I want to accomplish X. And the mechanism for getting there is going to be all those things you mentioned, right? We do need to rethink how we, you know, treat employees. We do need to think how we communicate out to the world what we do and, and what we get back from our customer base or our community. We do need to think about, you know, the, the contributions that we make to charities and, you know, and causes. But we have to really have a very clear benchmark, a very clear goal that needs to be accomplished. And uh, I think, you know, more and more, particularly with the complexity in the world and the challenges that exist, we need that goal to be big and ambitious. Because if we're not trying to solve a problem or really change something, then, you know, it's going to be very tough to, to keep focus and, and sustain the energy that it's going to take to, to make those changes. So, you know, I think we got to make sure we see the forest, uh, you know, as well as the trees, if you will. But more importantly, we really need to you know, we really, we really need to say there's there's got to be something big we have to solve or something big that we have to accomplish so that everything can be measured against that. Do you have any data on how uh, finding a cause or a uh, you know a, a particular a commitment that an entire organization shares together 
can influence their attitude about themselves, about the company, about the lives. Do you have any data on that? Yeah, well, there are, there are a number of stories uh, and, and data point studies and, and whatnot out there over the past few years that talks about, um, as an organization, how important it is for your employees to uh, not only understand but really believe in the mission of your work, um, that employees who work for an organization that uh, is committed to addressing a cause that they believe is important or that they believe is relevant to the work that they do um, are going to be happier and more productive, stay longer, uh, you know, and certainly help that that organization ultimately to be successful. Um, so, you know, Cone, uh, where I used to work, uh, had some research on that, um, number of the, the agencies, you know, that do work in cause marketing and corporate social responsibility have uh, good data on that stuff. The other thing we know is, you know, there's plenty of data and other evidence that, uh, that talks about how um, important it is for, for individuals to believe and uh, commit to uh, something bigger than themselves, uh, a social cause in most cases. We, we talk a lot of the time about this in the context of millennials. Uh, and sort of, you know, the emerging workforce um, mm. and how they don't just want to have a job. They want to have a job that gives something back to society. They want to have, uh, you know, a, a focus to to whatever they do, whatever they spend their time on, um, that is more than just about earning money or gaining status, um, that, that, you know, that they want to be a part of a, a something bigger. And, uh, you know, the real question now, I think, I don't think there's any disputing that, that people understand that and believe that. The real question is, how do you actually make that work? Um, because mm-hmm. it's easy to say we believe in a cause, but it's much harder to, you know, to demonstrate that and, and to do so in a consistent and sustainable way when you have, you know, a, a very diverse population working with you and, and working for you. Mm-hmm. Great answers. Um, let's take a quick break and back everyone with uh, seven or eight really key points to starting the new year and stopping the madness and some big ideas to help you address some of the serious issues coming up in the new year. Back in just a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Do you look at the task of ranking your site at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality. Top SEOs send you to only the right search vendors and agencies that they know will work for you. Since 2002, TopSEOs.com has reviewed and researched the best search engine marketing agencies and solutions providers. Don't risk the cost of falling off the proverbial peak of search rankings. Let Top SEOs give you peace of mind. TopSEOs.com, the independent authority on search vendors. MySEOTool.com is your all-in-one SEO management resource. MySEOTool.com makes it easy to optimize and oversee all of your SEO efforts. Line-by-line detailed reports help you identify any problems and show you how to fix them. MySEOTool.com is completely automated. Once you use it, you will see a rise in your search rankings and traffic. Try my SEO tool risk-free today. Go to myseotool.com. Myseotool.com. In 500 yards, CPA Way will be on your right. You have reached your destination. On the interstate of internet marketing, CPA Way helps you monetize the way. No matter which direction you're heading, 
CPA Way is your route to low-risk revenue. Advertisers, we have paved the way to delivering revenue channels that will meet and exceed your expectations. Publishers, we monitor and manage your campaigns to bring you the most revenue possible. Publishers can feel secure to leverage direct offers, while advertisers can find safety, offering their most valued campaigns. The road to trust, respect, integrity, and honor is just ahead at cpaway.com. At the speed of sound, webmasterradio.fm, a flamethrower. Webmasterradio.fm, we're everywhere. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, Brian. Thanks again for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. Right on. So step us through some of the logic here uh, that you've developed um, as, as a follow-up to our previous show. Um, step one you're suggesting is maybe make a choice. Tell us about that. Well, yeah. You know, look, there are so many options out there. There is, uh, you know, so many different challenges that exist. Um, but we have limited bandwidth. We have limited patience. We have limited attention. Um, so for us to accomplish anything, to find a solution to a problem in society, to uh, to make even an individual change in behavior so that we're happier or healthier or, you know, more committed, we have to choose. We have to prioritize. Um, and more important uh, than just making a choice is we really have to commit. So, you know, I think the first thing that we really have to, to focus on is, you know, what is it that we want? To, to do? What do we want to take on? What is that big challenge? What is that big goal? Um, and we need to choose that over something else because we can't do it all. Uh, and if we try to do it all, we're not going to accomplish any of those things. So first and foremost, make a choice, make a commitment, uh, and make sure that all of your decisions about whatever your strategy for approaching that or you know, the tactics or investment that you, uh, you need to make in order to change and, and see some impact in the world, that, that everything is focused on fulfilling that decision, that, that choice, and, and maintaining, or I should say, living up to that commitment. With regards to the, the organization, you know, do, do you take a poll and a consensus to, to get employees to buy into this? Because the, the critical element here is getting more than yourself to buy into this concept, right, within a company, right? So, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think this is, this is the challenge of leadership right mm. here. Um, Yes, you could absolutely take a poll and see what your employees are going to be interested in. Um, but, you know, in all likelihood, if you ask 10 different people what they think the organization should commit to addressing, you're going to get, uh, you know, potentially 10 different answers. Mm-hmm. So I think what you have to look at is what is it that you as a company or an organization and what is it that you as a base of employees, a community, um, really accomplished to or, or capable of solving. And you mm-hmm. should pick whatever your challenge is, whatever solution you want to find so that it, it directly relates. Um, I think you see a lot of times where companies you know, genuinely want to do good in the world. They want to uh, help to address a serious issue, but they look for what might be popular or they look for what might be meaningful. And it doesn't necessarily map against what skills or experiences people have, what, uh, what they're going to find, you know, motivating to participate in. Um, so you got to, you know, you got to, you got to lead, you got to go out on a limb and you got to say, look, this is important for the world. 
this is something that we can actually solve. This is how I think we're going to get it. And I think if you, you know, communicate that well and you, and you lead your troops appropriately, um, you know, they'll, they'll get in line. Um, that's, uh, that's leadership. That's, that's what it takes. The sum being greater than the individual parts. What about the second one here, the, the big cleanse? Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, along those lines of we have limited bandwidth, we have limited attention, you know, we're not going to be able to take on the new challenges. We're not going to be able to accomplish these big things if we don't get rid of some of the things that don't work. Uh, and, it's you know, it's very difficult day in, day out to figure out what works and doesn't work. So, you know, kind of lending, uh, you know, taking a page from the, the diet gurus, if you will, um, you just got to go on a cleanse. You got to cut out some aspect of how you uh, are spending your time and, you know, and see if you feel better by not having to spend your time on that. So that might be, uh, you know, if you read a lot of online newsletters, uh, for example, and it takes up time during your day and, you know, sure, you find it interesting, but you're not sure how it's going to, you know, feed into whatever else you're doing, unsubscribe, right? Uh, If you were, you know, going and participating in a meeting or a a group, you know, every week because that's what you think you're supposed to do, you know, don't go to that meeting, buy back that time. Uh, So it's sort of like giving up carbs or giving up meat for a month. You know, if (laughs) at the end of the month you're still missing it, you can always put it back in. Um, but what I think will happen, and in my experience what happens is you go on the cleanse, you start to feel better, you start to see things very differently, you know, and it opens up a whole set of possibilities that weren't available to you before. And that's when you can really start to, you know, to look at that commitment that you've made, that choice that you've made, and, and see a path towards, uh, you know, towards realizing it. Think big, talk small. Yeah. You know, big ideas are great, but they are, uh, they are difficult for people to wrap their heads around. And, you know, particularly uh, when you're talking about solving a complex problem, you know, it might be ending hunger or, you know, uh, curing AIDS, whatever it is. You know, there's a lot of uh, contribution that an organization can make, but they're not necessarily going to be able to do it all on their own or in any kind of uh, efficient, you know, sort of quick win sort of way. So you've got to break these complex problems into very small pieces, and you've got to communicate them in ways that people can not just sort of understand and, and kind of connect to emotionally, but really kind of intellectually absorb and then start to, to do themselves. So my, my silly little example is, you know, I do a lot of knowledge sharing work internally at organizations, how to make people smarter. And one of the big things in making people smarter is just making sure that you're capturing and sharing information. Most people keep it siloed. You got to get it out there so that others can experience it. Well, if you break that down into really small, specific pieces, it's just about the capture. So when I go to a meeting, I bring note cards, and I write down the ideas that I hear with little notes on them, explaining those ideas on a three-by-five index card. So talking small is about going all the way down to that level and showing people and teaching people, this is how I'm using note cards to capture ideas. You know, you might execute it a little bit differently, but now you understand how this little part contributes to something that's bigger, and that contributes to something bigger. So absolutely, think big. Think knowledge sharing. I want everyone to be smarter. But talk small and talk about something as granular as how do you write down the notes and capture what someone comes up with in a meeting on a note card? Because as more and more people start to do those little things, we're going to see the collective power of addressing those larger problems uh, you know, become much more influential, much more realistic. Mm. That, that note card idea, how long have you been doing that, and, and how do you use those cards? I want to follow up on that because I just love the concept of, 
Uh, I mean, naturally, our parent company is idealaunch.com, and I think about ideas all day, every day, and think of uh, you know how they influence and Im- can impact either our customers or our own business. How are you using the index cards? You know, as you're as you're as you're working with 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 with, with your customers. Yeah, you know, I, I actually I, I got the idea from Bill Clinton um, way mm. back in the day. Um, I, I had the privilege of working in the White House uh, for President Clinton and Vice President Gore, and you know, you you heard these stories about how incredibly brilliant uh, you know Bill Clinton was, and and they're all true. He has magical powers, but you know, way back when he started his political career, he used to carry note cards around with him wherever he went, and every time he met someone. At, a, at an event, at a meeting, whatever, he wrote down uh, their name and, you know, maybe their contact information, but a couple notes about where he met them and what conversation they had and what he or she might be interested in. And he kept those in, you know, an old school Rolodex, a, a sort of file folder, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, what happened was not only did he have this incredible record of these things, but he was able to make these connections and associations with people on levels that, you know, most people never did. Hmm. So I, I sort of took the cue from that. And, you know, so what I write down on, on the cards when I go to these meetings is, you know, not just the title of the idea or who they said it, but, but what, it, what connections it makes in my brain. So hmm. someone comes in with an idea and I think of an article I read in Fast Company, I write down that article. And mm-hmm. I go and I bring it back and I, you know, I put it in a pile on my desk. And, you know, whenever I'm looking for, uh, you know, looking through things, I, I go to that pile and I put them up on the wall, I put them up on the bulletin board and, you know, I make those connections again and I make those connections for me and I make them for other people. So I send that article out to a few people who I think would be interested or who mentioned it in the meeting. Um, and it just continues to keep the the flow going. Um, in reality, a lot of those cards stay in the pile, right? They There isn't enough time to get through all the ideas. Um, but I know that my brain is making the associations that it wouldn't otherwise get a chance to make because I have meetings back to back all day and you know you don't get to process it by writing it down on the cards it it unlocks and makes the idea connections for me that then I can use to to maintain conversations with people well the challenge is surfacing the great ideas that can have impact and change and and rather than just scattering them all over so they're all really brilliant stuff there let's go to the next uh, be be a be a franken org Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, I think really successful uh, organizations, uh, even the best and the brightest, are, are still only good at some things and not so good at others. And for us to tackle these complex problems, the, the best and, and brightest organizations of the future are going to be the ones that take what they know and truly collaborate and coordinate with other organizations that are doing something well. So nobody takes on the challenge of doing something that they're just not good at when there's someone else who can, who can do it better than them. So, you know, we as individuals and organizations need to really uh, Im- recognize and embrace and own up to the fact that we're excellent at this and we're not so good at that. And we need to seek out and really find good collaboration, good, uh, you know, good working partnerships, whatever you want to call it, with others who do something well that's not the same thing. And so the Franken-Org is, you know, this, this super org, this, this um, super friends, this monster that you can put all the best parts of organizations, different organizations together, uh, all focused on accomplishing that, that shared set of goals, all trying to do something that none of them could do without the help of the others. Uh, it's, it's not the way we normally think. We all try to be everything, and, and we end up failing at a lot. If we, if we really do what we do well and we're really open to working with others, 
you know, we're so much stronger together than we are apart. Is it even possible and fair to ask employees, hey, what are you freakishly good at, you know, and, 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 and then assessing the value of that freakish characteristic and seeing if it fits with having them do more of that and less of things that they're not good at. Could you imagine? I'm, I'm looking. I'm thinking index cards here. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, I mean, isn't I, that really I think it's a great it question, isn't and it, I don't think but, employees, you know, ever get asked. I think most of the time you walk into a job and you have a job description, and there are already a pile of expectations on what it is you're going to yeah. do and how you're going to work, and you know, the the message is sent very clearly. If you want to be successful, if you want to keep your job, you need to live up these expectations that somebody else has set, mm-hmm. and you know. That's obviously necessary for the organization to function. You were hired to, you know, fulfill a certain set of responsibilities. But, you know, the the best organizations are going to be the ones that really identify what what you know their people are freakishly good at and organizing as best as possible, right, around those capabilities, around how to activate those those abilities. And look, I. I I don't. I don't think we're the only organization that does it. But I, I work, you know, for Edelman, uh, the world's largest independent PR firm. And, you know, one of the things that Richard Edelman has always said, uh, you know, and I think part of the reason I'm here, or I hope one of the reasons I'm here, is because, you know, we hire for talent and then we figure out how to make money on that. So we have here at Edelman, uh, out of the almost 5,000 people globally, we have about 350 former working journalists, former reporters, right, who have incredible talent, whether it's writing or interviewing or whatever. Um, that is not normally the, you know, type of skill set that you would imagine doing corporate reputation strategy or, or PR, right? So, but we hire these smart people with these incredible experiences and these unique capabilities, and then we put them on teams and we have them working with other people who can service clients and serve the company well. Um, so we hire for talent and we figure out what, would to do, what to do with them later. Uh, I don't think there's enough of that, and I think in order to really you know, make an organization uh, sort of a Frankenorg within and, and make you know, super organizations that are collectives of the best and brightest uh, organizational you know, capabilities – focused on solving some larger problem, you're going to have to look for that, that freakish talent. You're going to have to ask for that much more than we do today. So as, as a business owner, I'm thinking that the, the logistic step here is sort of, you know, identify your, your freakishly, identify your freakishly, you know, amazing talent. Tell us what it is. Let us figure out how we can put it to work best for our company uh, to grow the business and to expand. I mean, it's it's amazing, but it, it it's just simple. I've never thought of that, but it's it's incredible. Would you agree with that logistic step? You know that I that I pigeoned together there. Yeah. Well, you look, and you know, one of the things that's very important is we now know that uh, that that employees are much more engaged on social media. We know that particularly as the workforce becomes younger and we get into that millennial audience and, and some of these others, that the expectations that, you know, these more junior employees are going to have a greater say in how a company operates and what it commits to and what it believes and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not only is the step of actually asking critical, but there's a ton of information out there. There's a ton of 
uh, of you know expression just being put out there of what your employees want and and you know what role they think they can play and what they think they're good at they're blogging they're putting up on Twitter and Facebook you know their personal experiences as a photographer whatever companies have to do a better job really truly listening and hearing what it is that their employees are saying not just when asked but generally because we have so much of that personal expression going on just naturally and so there's one exercise that that I think your you know tactical step gets to which is you know asking and listening and and you know making sense of that but there's also the hearing the really understanding what people are saying and not just taking their responses on face because you know that you're not necessarily in a work context going to tell your boss what it is you think you're freakishly good at because you're not sure what what is going to be done with that um but but you're sharing it with the rest of the world and and you're you know the office should absolutely be uh you know paying attention to that stuff as well I'm going to modify my last step and I think and then we'll move on but it's something like you know identify the freakishly amazing talent you know find the right fit in the organization for that talent and do it more <laughs> right yep. do it yeah, more yeah no, you got to exploit what you got right exactly. you know if you if you That's have someone who's key. unbelievably talented go for it exactly. double down on it exactly double down perfect next take on the hard stuff yeah, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, and I think it is so easy to get trapped in, uh, you know, what seems important but really isn't going to have that larger contribution that you want. Um, so it it seems like uh, improving your relationship with your employees or partnering with more organizations or communicating more effectively about uh, your commitment to a certain cause, you know, that seems like it's going to be a big step, that it's going to be really important. Um, But as hard as that is in terms of changing your behavior as an organization or as an individual, as challenging as it will be to do something different than you've always done, that's not the hard stuff, right? Running an event or running a campaign to raise awareness about, you know, the the plight of hunger in the United States, that's not going to solve hunger. It's not going to move the needle at all. So you have to commit to the big stuff, the really hard stuff. You have to say, we're going to find you know, the solution to this problem. We are going to change the trajectory of this issue, not just serve the cause, but really solve the cause. So when I say take on the hard stuff, you, know, you really have to swallow hard. You have to have the stomach for it, but you have to say, look, we want to do only what's going to have the greatest impact and anything short of that's going to be failure. And that's, you know, it's mostly in your head and it's mostly a commitment that you just need to make and stick to. But, you know, we, we take on the easy stuff because, you know, it's safe and it's comfortable and it's, it's no time to be safe or comfortable. We got big things to accomplish and, you know, the new year is a great time to, to, you know, scrap all the easy stuff and really go for what matters. Maybe we could throw a modification in that, though, because certainly that it's it's more ambitious, it's more time, it's more energy, you know, to take on these big hard problems. But what if we took on these hard problems? We took one piece of that hard problem, we conquered that one piece, we nailed it, and perhaps that would help solve the bigger hard, the the, the harder problem. Is that is that well, yeah. reasonable? Absolutely, right. So you have to string together these little successes in order to get the big thorny, ugly complex problem solved at the end yep, of the day. Yep, and yep. so, you know, what, what we do often is we make a big ambitious commitment and we say we want to eradicate hunger, but then, you know, we don't, we don't really 
go to the heart of what that issue really requires to solve. And so we do stuff and we do it on the margins and we think it's important and we certainly accomplish stuff. We raise money, we raise awareness, all important things, right? But we're not accomplishing our goal. So when you take that complex problem, that big thing you've committed to, and you break it down into the small pieces, you know, you can have those wins and you can string those wins together. And not only are those wins going to, you know, serve as continual motivation for you and guidance that you should be keeping going and you're on the right track, it's going to give you an opportunity to motivate other people to show that success is possible, that we can tackle these problems. And you're going to learn a tremendous amount. Just as you learn from failure, you're going to learn from those successes and it's going to inform how you go forward and and what choices you make and what commitments you make going forward. So, you know, it's take on the hard stuff because, you know, you're going to get so much more out of it than, you know, just accomplishing the easy stuff, which is, you know, probably going to require just as much work, but, um, you know, but, but will come across or feel easier and safer. You know, get rid of the safe stuff. Love this as well. Fail fast and fall forward. And by the way, I can't say that 20 times in a row. <laughs> yeah, look, you know, we all learn from failures. You know, you won't find anyone, I think, anymore who doesn't acknowledge that, you know, failure is the thing that uh, makes us smarter and makes us tougher and, and all of that. But you can't make the same mistakes over and over again. You got to make new mistakes every day. You got to learn from everything you're doing. And so, you know, put yourself in a position to experiment, to test, to refine, you know, fail quickly so that you can take those lessons and you can apply them and fall forward because, you know, we know what failure feels like. And, you know, at least it should be constructive. You're never going to enjoy failing. No one ever wants to fail. I'm not encouraging people to fail because, you know, that's the best way to get to a solution to accomplishing something big, but it's inevitable. So if you're going to fail, you know, fail smart, fail fast, and, you know, fail in a way that, that you know, gives you information, gives you experience that you can improve, uh, that you can use to improve everything else. This final one is, is quite interesting. Go out of business. Yeah. You know, if, if we're going to solve the complex problems that exist in the world as organizations, we have to make it our mission to solve them and then move on to something else. Um, what tends to happen is we make what we think is a big ambitious commitment. We work really hard. We accomplish something. So if you commit to ending hunger and you do a big food drive and you, you know, feed thousands of people, uh, 